This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Mark Weissey. Mark is a multifamily investor with a deep background in financial analysis and modeling, investor relations, and technology systems. Mark has been investing in real estate since 2016 and has amassed a real estate portfolio of around $8 million in assets, encompassing 103 uh, units total across the NYC metro and the Louisville, Kentucky markets. In addition, Mark has passively invested for the past five years. He brings with him over 10 years of experience as a portfolio manager on Wall Street, where he oversees billions in client assets. He obtained his CFA charter in 2016 and continues to uphold the highest standards of ethical and investment performance. Mark holds a Bachelor of Science from Stevens Institute of Technology. He's a longtime mentor to a 13-year-old boy in the True Mentors Program in Hoboken, New Jersey, and it cares deeply about financial literacy in underserved communities as well as environmental causes. Welcome, Mark. It's great to have you here. Is there anything else you'd like the audience to know about yourself? Thanks, Matt. This is such a pleasure. Um, I really appreciate it. And I've got to think about shortening up that bio next time. So I appreciate <laughs> you going through that. Yeah, not a problem. So uh, how'd you get started with real estate back in 2016? Yeah, so I kind of stumbled into it, as I understand a lot of people do. Uh, I was living, renting in, in an apartment in uh, northern New Jersey and kind of got tired of uh, kissing my money goodbye every month and decided that, you know, now was the time to to buy something of my own. And I, how that looked was I first bought a condo that had two bedrooms and I lived in one and I rented out the other one. Uh, this was back in 2016. I didn't know about house hacking or, you know, any of that stuff. It was just a means for me to be able to lower my uh, out-of-pocket costs every, every month. And uh, that started the bug in terms of, okay, I've got money coming in as opposed to money going out every month. And that was kind of nice. And so I was like, okay, well, how can I do more of this? And, and that ultimately led to uh, another condo, single family, and then kind of got into the multifamily from there. Nice, nice. And then uh, currently, do you invest uh, passively, actively, or a bit of both? Yeah, all the above. Um, so I still work my W-2 job, which affords me uh, to be able to invest uh, some of my discretionary income in real estate and other people's deals, which is really nice because I can kind of diversify outside of maybe the markets that I'm looking at, as well as the operators that I'm partnering with. Uh, in with some other folks that I, I know and trust. Um, and then I also obviously do do all of our deals uh, on the active side as well. And what kind of deals do you do now? Yeah, so it's primarily multifamily, BC class, uh, multifamily projects, uh, value add. So we'll look at anything from 60s newer, essentially. And we're mostly looking uh, in the Louisville, Kentucky and uh, Charlotte and nearby markets there. Why those markets? So my partner is based in Charlotte. Uh, he lives there uh, and has been there for a couple of years now. And so having him as our boots on the ground there is is really great and gives us a, a leg up in terms of, um, you know, looking at some deals and being able to, you know, interface with brokers and things like that. And then as far as Louisville, we, we kind of um, spent a lot of time looking at different markets throughout the eastern U.S., and we landed on Louisville and we, we made some traction there and are fortunate to say that we've got a few properties there now. So, you know, you find that as you invest in these areas, your Rolodex starts to grow and people start to bring you deals. And so it kind of um, became a self, self-fulfilling prophecy there. 
Very good. Yeah. Once you start building that reputation with brokers, as somebody who can close on deals, then they want to sell you their deals because they want to close as well on future deals. Uh, what size of multifamily are you focused on? Uh, yeah. So we have anywhere from 12 to 50 units right now. Um, so what I would call kind of like middle market multifamily, um, we're looking to scale up. So 50 plus uh, and eventually want to get into the 100 plus where we can afford to you know, employ somebody on payroll there, uh, whether it be leasing agent, maintenance, things like that to oversee the property. Nice. And are you structuring your deals through syndication or JV or what? Uh, both actually. It just kind of depends on the deal as well as um, what our needs are for that deal, whether it be uh, capital or active partners, things like that. Um, so we've, we've done both and we'll continue to kind of evaluate opportunities as they come up. Okay. And do you do 506B or C? We've only really done 506Bs thus far. Um, we started off just, you know, friends and family, just like a lot of people do when they start raising capital. It's people who know you uh, that, you know, already know more or less your story. Uh, and then, you know, as you grow, it becomes friends of friends and things like that that you develop relationships with. Uh, at some point, we'll transition to 506C, but we're not there yet. Yeah, I think that's pretty common. You know, everybody starts with their friends, family, acquaintances, you know, coworkers, things like that, uh, just people that they know in their own network. And a lot of them, uh, tend not to be accredited. And so it's nice to have the 506B because then you can, you know, have up to 35 non-accredited investors in there. Um, Absolutely. Whereas... It's a... oh, so go, go ahead. Absolutely. It's, it's also nice that we can offer the opportunity to invest in real estate to somebody who's maybe not accredited. That's the side of things uh, or advantage of, of a 506B sometimes is you're providing access to somebody that otherwise probably wouldn't have access to, to that uh, product. And what typical kind of returns are you looking at with the deals that you're investing in? It all depends on risk, but uh, we're typically looking anywhere from like 12 to 14% IRR. I always kind of look at IRR because I think that's the truest sense of what your return is going to be. Um, and then for a lot of our investors that are cash flow focused, uh, generally nowadays, anywhere from six to 8%. Nice, nice. Um, and then how do you find, uh, like, how did you find your partner that you work with right now? Yeah. Um, so another kind of story that was more or less happenstance, uh, back around 2017, I was, uh, you know, just getting into things and had had a couple of properties, but I was looking to, to scale and, and, you know, really interact and network with other people in my area that were doing it. So around that time, I found uh, biggerpockets.com. Uh, which today is obviously a huge thriving uh, online community. And uh, at that time I was just searching, okay, who else is doing real estate in my area? And, and so I had a conversation with a, a guy then who was in, in my very same area. Uh, we went out for, for beers, got to know one another. It turned out we had a lot in common. He had actually gone to the same alma mater as I did. Um, and so he also brought a, a bunch of different skills that I didn't have that I felt really complimented the skills that I brought. Uh, and I think that's really important as people seek out partners potentially on the active side is find somebody who fills your gaps and, and vice versa. Um, and we were able to, you know, start our, our career just by him bringing his background and me bringing mine. Yeah, I think that's a great point of, you know, when you're partnering up with people, finding somebody who is the yin to your yang, or you can complement the areas where you're not so good at and you can complement their areas uh, in your partnership. Well, what kind of role do you uh, uh, do? Yeah, so with my background, I come from uh, financial markets and, and Wall Street. Essentially, that's been my whole career is um, working on trading desks. So a lot of the numbers, the analysis, the underwriting, essentially, is done by me. 
Um, obviously, my partner has familiarity with it and he's comfortable enough to, to look at what I do. Um, but I'm by and large the one responsible for underwriting our deals. I also do a lot of our capital raising. Um, and then thirdly, I, I focus a lot on our systems and our technology. Um, again, my background and my professional career uh, has afforded me some opportunities to do that uh, in my W-2. And so I'm kind of taking that over into what we do in, in real estate. Whereas my partner, he focuses a lot on the CapEx, construction, uh, overseeing vendors, things like that. He comes from the, the world of engineering and, and big civil projects. So it, it works really well. When you're capital raising from passive investors, what are some typical questions that uh, they ask or, or maybe should ask you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people tend to focus on return, which I think is probably, you know, while it matters, I think that shouldn't be the first question. Uh, I think um, the, the biggest thing to focus on as a passive investor is the operator. You know, what is their track record? Um, what is their story? Um, really take the time to get to know that individual because, you know, I'm not the first to say this. Um, very common phrase out there is you bet on the jockey and not the horse. So you can have the best deal in the world. But if you have somebody who's running it who doesn't necessarily know what they're doing or maybe doesn't have your best interest in mind, then it doesn't really matter. So I think that's, you know, the most important thing is take the time to get to know uh, the individual who you're entrusting with your hard-earned money. Yeah, exactly. There are certainly some shady people in this business. And I think more commonly, it's uh, people that are inexperienced or don't know what they're doing. Uh, and they haven't really been through the ringer. They haven't been through challenges and trials and tribulations. So, uh, you know, you, you it's better to invest your money with somebody who has that experience, or at least as part of a team that together has that experience and can handle what may come in, uh, you know, because rarely does things go perfectly with a real estate deal. And uh, so why would somebody want to invest with you versus uh, another syndication sponsor? Yeah, so I think we've been able to achieve um, some modest degree of success in the deals that we've done so far. And it's been because of the things that you talk about um, just then was, you know, we, we have a plan always going into it. We have a, a pretty succinct and, and clear business plan, but a lot of it comes down to how you pivot. And um, I think between the skill sets that we have on our team and the partners that we partner with, um, we're more than comfortable kind of having those pivots. Um, there are always going to be things that pop up along the way. I mean, these buildings are living, breathing things. And, you know, um, when you get enough of them, you're going to see a little bit of everything. Um, and so, you know, being comfortable uh, dealing with uncertainty and making decisions when you don't have maybe the entire story, you have to be somebody that maybe has a little bit, um, you know, has a really good uh, approach and really a level of comfort with risk. Um, so I think people who have invested with us in the past have really appreciated the fact that when those things pop up, that we have a high degree of uh, transparency and that we will, you know, bring it to their attention early on, um, as opposed to try to hide something or, you know, um, sweep something under the rug. Uh, that's never, I, I think, you know, in anybody's best interest because, you know, whether or not they find out, it's it, you're kind of betraying their trust. And at the end of the day, um, you know, we serve our residents at our complexes. And we also serve our investors. And so we got to do right by both of those. Exactly. And and what is a problem that you've encountered with a deal and how did you pivot? Yeah, so we have one fairly recently. Um, you know, unfortunately, this is probably the, the gravest uh, issue you could have with a property where we had a loss of life on one of our uh, properties. Um, basically, two weeks after we closed on a deal last year, um, we had a shooting on our property. Um, now, um, you know, unfortunately, the, one of the people who was shot was uh, did was fatal and uh, they did end up uh, passing away. 
Um, they weren't our uh, tenants there. They were actually from the neighboring um, complex that came onto our property. Um, but it was something very real that we had to deal with and comforting residents and coming up with a plan to how to create some level of safety in our in our complex. That was basically a, a call to action for us. Um, so how we pivoted was we immediately got communications out to residents. Hey, this is what happened. This is what we're doing in reaction to that. Um, and if you have any questions, you know, the lines of communication are open. Um, so uh, the other side of things was, what are you doing? You have to, you know, it's not enough to just give lip service. You have to actually show that you're making improvements. So we had a couple of my partners who were uh, local boots on the ground. We had them going by the property a few times every week, uh, you know, at odd hours to kind of check out what was going on there. If there was activity that, you know, shouldn't be going on there. Um, we also decided this was already part of the business plan, but we decided to speed it up. Uh, putting in uh, lights, increasing the lighting at night uh, in some of the common areas, especially. Uh, you'd be surprised what kind of deterrent uh, just better lighting is uh, for crime. Uh, and then installing cameras in certain areas of the complex as well. Um, so those things combined, I think, um, helped uh, reassure people that, hey, you know, there's a new sheriff in town and stuff that maybe went on in the past, uh, you know, is not going to be tolerated. And um, and that we were, you know, we were on the on the lookout for that. That's good. That sounds like a great approach. So hopefully uh, you know, it reduces the risk of that happening again. Uh, and you know, I, I know your story a little bit better or than, than our audience does, but uh, uh, can you tell me about a time when you were passive in a real estate deal, but then you know, some, something happened and you had to become active? Yeah, yeah. This is um, something that happened uh, when we were first starting out was we started to look at multifamily, um, this this thing that we knew that, OK, we're trying to scale. Uh, we can get economies of scale through this. We can maybe lower some of our risk to a particular tenant, because one of the nice things about multifamily versus single family is you, you don't have as much exposure to one individual. Uh, if you have a single family home, like we found out many times when somebody moves out, you're now, you know, you're now basically zero percent occupied. Um, and so we started to look at multifamily. How do we get involved? How do we learn as much? And uh, we landed on investing passively in others deals. We thought that that would be a good, really good education, um, kind of a low stakes education uh, in our minds. And then it became, um, you know, something that we hadn't planned on was, was it became a very active investment for us um, about two years into the investment when we realized that things were going, you know, kind of not according to plan uh, and that somebody had to step up. And uh, what did you do to step up? Yes, yeah, so we had found out we invested with an operator uh, in a nearby city, and we had found out that they were not uh, doing the renovations they said they were doing, um, that the uh, CapEx budget had been expended, um, and that the building was a five-unit building, so relatively small compared to the stuff that we look at now, um, but it, 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 was, um, it, it was only two of the units that were occupied. And so, um, you know, our investment was very much at risk there if we didn't kind of look to stabilize. And so myself and my partner, we rolled up our sleeves and we were, uh, you know, there pretty much every week. We were there multiple times a week. We drove there and would actually put out some of our own money uh, just to safeguard the money that we already had in the deal um, to be able to uh, do the renovations and get the property stabilized. Um, and once we were able to do that, um, finally, you know, the, the, we basically did the owner, the uh, general partner's business plan for them. That kind of built the confidence in us to say, okay, well, we know how it's not supposed to work. And we now have the confidence of having done one of these. Now we're ready to scale up. So, you know, in the beginning, we wanted an education. Uh, in the end, I don't think we, we signed up for the education that we got, but we're happy that we, we went through it. And those are the types of experience, you, you know, there's a saying you, you grow through, you don't go through them, you grow through them. 
And we're, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm really happy that we, that we went through it. Yeah, I like that. Um, so, I mean, at the same time for passive investors, usually you're not you know, hoping like, hey, what, maybe one day I can be active in this deal. Uh, you know, uh, for our passive investors out there, how can they tell from the forefront with a syndication sponsor, like, like how can they know that they're not going to have to step in and uh, become active? Yeah, it's a great question. So my first caveat is that that is far from you know the norm. Uh, I've I've talked to many many people in this space, as I'm sure you have, and I I haven't heard that story before in terms of LPs actually getting involved or having to get involved. Um, I think we missed a ton up front in terms of uh, you know doing your due diligence on a sponsor. A few things that you could potentially do that would help you avoid you know investing with a sponsor that maybe doesn't uh, have the background or doesn't have the experience that would you know prevent you from getting into the situation would be I'd ask for things like you know um, have you gone full cycle on deals before? Can I see some of your track record uh, as far as you know the deals that you've done that you've gone full cycle? So they've bought, they've renovated, and 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 generally refied or sale or sold. Um, you know, having something like that that you can look at at least um, demonstrates that's one data point that demonstrates that they, you know, know how to do what they're saying they're they're professing they know how to do. Um, another thing I would do is talk to prior uh, investors of theirs. So investors primarily who have gone full cycle. What has been their experience? What's the level of communication and comfort that they have with the uh, with the individuals? I would also ask for beyond just you know asking for track record. I would ask them for budgets versus actuals. Um, this is something that we as operators constantly look at is how are we, what was our pro forma number that we're looking for in terms of income, expenses, and all that, and how are we performing against that? I think that's a really good gauge of how people will perform in the future is what, you know, what have they done in the past? So they should be able to provide that. They should be happy to provide that. Um, in fact, if they're not, you know, or they're, they're maybe skittish about providing it or they just don't have it, maybe that's a good indicator that you shouldn't be investing with them. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, there, there's nothing guaranteed in this business, but uh, I, I agree with you that the past performance of a syndication sponsor is the most likely indicator of what their future uh, work is going to be like. All right. So are you ready for a speed round? Let's do it. I'm ready. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? I think passive, the word passive, <laughs> you know, there's a ton of work that goes into, as you know, into being an active operator. And while it sounds really glamorous and things like that, uh, there's a ton of um, unsexy work that goes into managing these business plans. Um, and so the idea that you can keep your money working for you um, with a trusted sponsor that's going to deliver on, you know, what they promise, I think that's a really attractive thing for most people who don't maybe have the time in their busy schedules as it is. Um, to, you know, learn a new trade, essentially. And what do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? Yeah, I would say when I first got started, as I mentioned, I didn't really know how to vet a sponsor and kind of got into it without knowing what I didn't know. So I would take my time. Um, you know, you can afford to let a few deals go by before you make the decision to invest. It doesn't hurt anybody. Um, and if anything, it kind of proves to you whether or not, you know, um, the initial feeling that you had about a particular sponsor was correct. So you can, you know, maybe have um, an interaction with a sponsor, you meet them, you hear about all they've done and everything like that. And, you know, you could very easily say, okay, well, you know, you're going to be somebody that I watch and see how you perform. And then maybe in, you know, six months time, I'll come back to you and see how this deal is performing and, you know, keep me in mind for the next one. It, it really, it's a, Warren Buffett has a quote that, uh, you know, it's a game of called strikes, kind of like uh, if you're familiar with Home Run Derby, 
you can't you can't uh, you know swing out if if you don't take a take a um, at that. So I think that's very much applies in the investment world too, where um, you know you should take your time getting to know a sponsor, let them perform and see how they perform, and then once you feel really comfortable, you know get involved. Yep, very fair. So what's a book that you can recommend to passive investors? I really like The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke. Um, that's a really popular one. And I, I think for good reason, it kind of lays everything out in terms of, you know, soup to nuts, how the world of um, syndication works. Yeah, good book. How can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more? Yeah, I definitely urge people to reach out. I'm here to serve. Um, I'll help however I can, or if I can't, then I'll I'll refer you to somebody who maybe can do a better job. Um, my email is mark, M-A-R-C, at investwithmaple.com. Uh, my phone number, very comfortable giving out my phone number, uh, 908-319-4351. And um, you can also find me on our website at uh, investwithmaple.com. Great. I'll include those in the show notes. And is there anything else that you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? No, I, I really urge people to get out there and educate themselves before ever making an investment. That's some of the best money you can you can spend uh, in investment is educating yourself. Um, so, you know, do the workshops, uh, read the books, you know, talk to other people who have invested passively, talk to active operators and, uh, you know, just take your time. Like I said, be patient. Real estate's a long game. So, you know, missing a deal and, you know, having to wait a couple of months, it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, there will be future deals that come you know, come across. So yeah, just be patient. Well, thank you, Mark. And it's been a great talking with you and have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.